I'm Shelley Schlender. This is How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show. Today is Tuesday, May 17th, 2022. Coming up, we continue our discussion with Boulder scientist and entrepreneur Larry Gold about the Gold Lab Symposium. It's taking place this Thursday and Friday. You want solutions that are common sense and healthy, and we're not good at that. What if you, you figured out a way that everyone who'd had a great experience about lupus or something else was somehow uh, heard in the absence of clinical trial data and blah, blah, blah. Last week, we featured a conversation with Boulder scientist, inventor, philanthropist, and entrepreneur, Larry Gold, about his upcoming Gold Lab Symposium. It's an event open to the public where Gold gathers leading scientists and visionary thinkers to discuss an eclectic range of topics that all have to do in some way with the science of our human health. The symposium takes place this Thursday and Friday, May 19th and 20th. You can go to our website, howonearthradio.org, to hear last week's show or to sign up for the Gold Lab Symposium. This year's symposium will feature a new way to understand the 20,000 different protein types that do most of the work in the trillions of cells that it takes to make a human. Last week, we also talked with Larry Gold about an artificial intelligence company called DeepMind, owned by Alphabet, the parent company of Google. DeepMind has figured out a way to predict a protein's proper shape, and a subset of that group called AlphaFold is looking at how proteins with their different shapes sort of talk to each other. Now here's Boulder scientist and entrepreneur Larry Gold. Will this thing about how you accurately know how to fold proteins mean that we can solve all diseases and live as long as we want? Um, So that's the right question. And I would like to, if you don't mind, answer a smaller question. We now know that they have all the predicted structures of proteins, and they have predicted all the protein-protein interactions within the cells of an organism. Wow. By docking. Now, you have to know one more sentence only. Every drug is wrong, but close enough Okay, I'm starting to be a little disappointed if this goes to a drug-only conversation. Drug-only is meant by you to be uh, dismissive, and it's not. So it is a drug story. And what you really want, and people have wanted forever, is you want drugs. You want to understand how small molecules diet, call it diet. Diet is the same. I mean, you eat all that stuff. You want something that people can do whether it's something they swallow or some way that they breathe or some way that they move. You want to affect the activity of a protein by having something bind to it. That's a drug or a nutrient or whatever. And the question is, how do you find them? And there's a whole world in the pharmaceutical industry, a whole world called high-throughput drug screening. It means that every big drug company has a million or 10 million or 100 million small molecules in little tubes in a freezer somewhere. And they have got big robots and all these kinds of things that take a little dab from every one of those millions of tubes in the freezer and put it into some kind of test and ask, do these things bind to 
and maybe ultimately impact the function of a protein. And from the first two papers that DeepMind published, you think, wait a minute, they know the structures of everything because they calculated them, and now all they got to do is dock every small molecule with every protein, and they will find every possible thing, whether it's from food or from drugs, that interacts with a protein and could change its function. That is unbelievable for a guy like me. And Google and DeepMind just spun out from DeepMind in the last two weeks a new company to do exactly that. I think they understood that the value of being able to find drugs quickly is huge. It's essentially a, a, a redefinition of what a pharma company does. Pharma companies look for drugs, and it takes them years. So now make up the perfect docking experiment. You have every toxic compound known, and you have all the ones that are potentially not toxic, but maybe not useful, and you try to dock them with those good things, and you try not to use anything dangerous in your library. You can imagine that you want things that will dock with the protein you want, but not the other 20,000 proteins, because that's called an off-target effect. We'll continue the conversation with Larry Gold in just a moment, but first, Gold has explained a key focus for DeepMind and AlphaFold will be to help pharmaceutical companies make more drugs and hopefully make them more effective with fewer off-target effects. So, what exactly is an off-target effect? There is no doubt I have permanent kidney damage. I will never be the same again. That's my neighbor, Doug. Doug's an example of someone who experienced an off-target effect from an FDA-approved medicine that he had been prescribed by his doctor. Now, Doug didn't know this medicine was harming his kidneys. At first, Doug didn't even know there was anything to worry about. Well, almost nothing. The first indication of something wrong was a routine blood test that showed my kidney function had deteriorated a little bit, just a teeny bit. Doug's kidney test had flagged slightly high levels of something called creatinine. It's a normal byproduct of one's <laughs> daily life. One of the many functions of a kidney is to remove it or keep it down to a stable kind of level. This test showed that my kidneys were no longer keeping up. They were not removing it adequately. Overall, Doug's a healthy man who has a healthy lifestyle. My goal is to walk at least four miles every day. And most days I managed to do that. So his doctors weren't too worried. They figured maybe his creatinine was a little high because he needed to drink more water. Initially it wasn't precipitous and the conclusion was that I probably had a little bit of low blood pressure problems and that I may have been a bit dehydrated. Just to be sure his kidney function was holding steady, the doctors ordered another kidney function test which Doug did. The next morning, before I even had my pants on, the phone rang, and it was my doctor saying, you need to go to the hospital now. Doug's kidney function fell off of a cliff. What was going on? 
a kidney specialist pointed to an FDA-approved medicine that Doug had taken for 11 years for his slightly elevated blood pressure. While my blood pressure wasn't extraordinarily high, it seemed like the prudent thing to do to be on blood pressure medication. And so I was on a polypill with a diuretic and lisinopril. Polypill, what's that? A single pill that combines two drugs, two drugs that are often taken together. The specialist said Doug had experienced a rare off-target effect of the blood pressure medication. So doctors switched Doug to a different blood pressure pill. As for Doug's kidneys... They are better than they were when I was told to go to the hospital, but they are nowhere near normal. So that has changed my life forever. I need to follow a low-sodium diet for the rest of my life, be particularly hydrated, etc. About the rare off-target effect of taking a high blood pressure medicine that has permanently damaged Doug's kidneys, he says this. There's a, a trade-off when we take a medication. We're looking for a benefit, but there's a small possibility that there may be an adverse reaction. In most cases, people win that bet and they benefit from the medication, but in this case, I didn't. Regarding DeepMind and AlphaFold and what a better understanding of drugs might do, Doug has a hope about people like him and their medications. My guess is that someday in the future, they'll find that there's something about my genetics that don't mesh well with that particular drug, lisinopril, and that Hopefully in the future, we'll be able to head off such cases before they end up being a problem. I'm Shelley Schlender. Thanks to my neighbor, Doug, for sharing his story about off-target effects. Now let's go back to Boulder scientist and entrepreneur Larry Gold talking about the potential for DeepMind and AlphaFold to find new drugs that have fewer off-target effects. So it leads to an enormous change in my mind in the pharmaceutical business. If I were a pharmaceutical company, and that's what they've announced, they're going to work with all of them in ways to help them in this new company that I only learned about in the last couple of weeks. And so it is a breathtaking thing done by hard computational science. And that is the first example I know of in which the glories of computational science have led to something that could be a breakthrough for the pharmaceutical industry. How soon will it lead to a product? The next papers, I think, from these guys will be, I think, I'm predicting, will be a docking experiment on some important protein target where they find a drug, a potential drug, and probably their early work will be getting finding drugs that have already been approved. And so, inevitably, out of this, you shortened drug discovery, a high-throughput screening effort without toxicity and all that kind of stuff, you could save several years on the drug development timeline. So we're in the theoretical side of it turning into applications. The applications before. will be drugs, drug candidates that have to be tested. Now, I want to say from listening to this CEO guy from DeepMind, 
there's never been a smarter scientist in the world, ever. I mean, I, I, I'm in love with him. I, I would like to, I'm too old, I'd like to go be a postdoc in his lab. He hasn't invited me. But the idea of being part of that process where they're just open to all of it. Most scientists, even non-holistic scientists, would acknowledge that a lot of the conditions that are faced in the United States have to do with inputs people have to their bodies that aren't drugs, how much exercise they get, what food they eat. I agree with all of that. I'm of the opinion that where we've been stalled, we as a healthcare system in the United States, are kind of stalled for reasons that are both about our egregious attitudes about our own health, also the fact that the drug companies don't want to sell you an antibiotic, even though it's a big deal, because what they want to sell you is a chronic disease management drug that lasts for 50 years. I would point out that when you mention antibiotics, it's as though they're not being provided to people when the bigger concern with antibiotics is they have been provided to people in such high degrees that they really aren't working very well anymore. Resistance to antibiotics is a big problem. I agree with that. So there's two different paradigms here. There's the paradigm of what can people do to somehow tap the wisdom of their bodies to go along with what seems to make a cell work the best with ordinary everyday things, how much people sleep, what kind of foods they eat, what kind of stresses they put in their bodies, what kind of exercise. So, so you know. How, how does this deep mind tie in with promoting better wisdom and better attention to those kinds of things? So deep mind is, for the moment, in this spinoff, narrowly defining its financial opportunity to make better drugs faster than we've ever done them before. And there you go. The incentives are toward the patentable intellectual property side of drug development. I want to tell you that if you don't like that, you should look carefully at the beautiful patent history of, say, the Soviet Union, which was for sh And it was for because... I, so I have to bleep every one of those out. Well, I, I just want you to know that this incentive that we... I mean, there... There are very few incentives that work for people, and one of them is money. And the incentive of money can be so useful for getting people's attention for rallying resources in a certain place. This other side of how to help with health doesn't always get the same resources. I'm not disagreeing with you. Would DeepMind somehow help this other happen? Well, I hope so. I mean, I, I can only tell you that they're the size now where they can define their culture any way they want. And so we have to hope that they are good. So I've seen databases that have been done for diseases such as MS, trying to track what happens over years with people with a disease like that, where the explanation is that it's a broad database that has every kind of information you could imagine. Most of the information in those databases tends to be about what drugs people take, because they're the easiest thing to track. Maybe it's because they also have the most potential for pay off with intellectual property, patents, etc. It's hard to track the other stuff. If somebody comes in and says, I think that I'm better because I'm a Taurus and the moon is in Jupiter or wherever it is, and somebody else comes in and says, I like to walk 20 miles every week, and another person says, I'm a vegan, I don't eat any meat, and the next person says, I eat nothing but meat, and that's how I've saved my health. 
it's challenging to work with so many different ways that people say help their health. What would you do about that? Let me be the interviewer. What would you do about the kind of knowledge? So that kind of knowledge is in no definition that I know of what we would consider to be legitimate epistemology. It's not verifiable in an easy way, for sure. I will agree, so with, that. agree with that. And yet we want the good that comes from that. I, I also do. We want the good that comes from that. Living beings, they want to survive. But I think as people, we have a curiosity to see how, how do we work when we're working at our best. I think we do have that curiosity. We also have other curiosities. How can I be a master of the universe? How can I beat my friend next door by making more money than him or stealing his wife for the night. The incentives are everywhere. And it's very confusing how to have good incentives. You ask me what kind of experiment I would suggest. I wonder if there was some kind of a pool where any time there was drug or anything else developed like that on a patent, there would be some money set aside to say, let's try something that's an opposite approach. If I know somebody who says that her lupus disappeared because she's going to a CrossFit gym, or if I know somebody who says that when they stopped eating dairy and wheat, they stopped having rheumatoid arthritis symptoms, and the yep. blood work backed that up, how do we follow through on things like that? No one knows how to do that, of course. Everybody who has an IQ over 100 thinks about it all the time because you want it to the, you want solutions that are common sense and healthy. And we're not good at that. And we don't listen to each other. I mean, think about what you're talking about. What if you, you figured out a way that everyone who'd had a great experience about lupus or something else was somehow uh, heard? in the absence of clinical trial data and blah, blah, blah. And you want everyone to be heard, and you don't want those things to slow down real progress. And it's a tough, tough nut. There is implicit in what you just said an assumption that you just want to have these people be heard, or is it that perhaps some of those insights or suspected insights people have, maybe some of them are real. There's a company in California called Verta Health. I don't know. Verta Health is doing work with people with diabetes where they're putting them on a ketogenic diet, mm -hmm. meaning one that doesn't have carbs, that. all of that. It's the Atkins diet. Actually, it is. It's very close to that. Their data in terms of how many people they've taken out of the complications of diabetes with their counseling and coaching mm -hmm. to keep people on this path to do this other way of eating. They are beating the standard medical approaches for reducing the cost of caring for people like that. Blue Cross Blue Shield in California is working with them to say, we'll pay for this program because it's paying off. Yeah, so That's not a standard approach, but it's one that they're documenting in a scientific way, and it seems to be showing promise. This is comparing clinical data from one trial with another, and that's fine. That's great. And you have to find ways to do that for the wackiest ideas. And I'm not saying this is a wacky idea. I mean, I know a lot about keto diets, and I, I'm a fan of keto diets. And then there may be a group that has a vegan diet that could maybe show the same results. Who knows? But 
I mean, how would something like that kind of experiment tie in with your deep mind group here or with what you do at Soma Logic? I don't have anything smart to say. I just know it's tough, and human beings are lunatics about not listening to their friends and fellow citizens. We are not good at that. I include myself. Maybe that's the point of a symposium like what you're doing, Larry Gold, is to get people thinking. And while there is a focus on patentable drugs and pathways to make that happen as part of this symposium, it's also a vehicle for getting people to think with their deep minds about a lot of things. So you'll be talking about deep mind discoveries as part of this. Climate change from two people from Colorado. How does that tie in with a symposium that's about healthcare? Well, climate change is about healthcare. Duh. Tyranny, Tim Snyder, is about healthcare. You can't be healthy if, as you're walking to your apartment in Kiev, if you're shot dead, you're not healthy. I mean, this is all connected. You could be talking about horoscopes at this moment. Yeah, no, I don't think so, but I hope, I mean, sure, why not? I, I once said to someone, uh, Leos don't believe in horoscopes. I once I thought that was funny at the time. I only recently learned that I am such a creature, a Leo. An ethicist once told me that ethics is all about making a good decision based on the information you have. I love that. Yeah. And Sorry. you're talking about good data. Yeah, I think good data are important, and big data are important. And, and one of the things that I know, I've read a lot in the last five years, you really worry about... That's not my business. That's the computer's going to tell me the right answer. That's scary. And so, you know, this 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 thing we're learning is going to be important. Sure. A little one, um, but a big one. You know, we've, we've tended every year to finish in the last, say, half dozen years. The last talk has been emotional for me because it's usually been about someone with a rare disease is there going to be a rare disease that you close the conference with this year? Yeah, I guess. This guy, David Feigenbaum, wrote an extraordinary book called Chasing My Cure. He had a terrible disease, terrible disease. And everybody thought he was going to die. And he had about one recurrence a year for maybe eight years until he ran SOMASCAN, this thing we do, on himself and figured out what he had and figured out what drug he ought to take as though he was repurposing a drug that was not aimed for that disease. And he hasn't had a recurrence in 12 years. He was written up in the New York Times. I believe that's true. He's made a name for himself by doing this. He's part of Penn's Rare Disease Initiative. He's a good guy. And uh, he knows a lot. He's an MD. MDs are not known for uh, listening uh, to others. I mean, some are, some are not. But it doesn't go with the trade. But he's a very good person and healthy. And he's married to the woman he dumped all over when he was an arrogant putz. And now they have this wonderful life and two little kids. And, you know, yay for him. He's alive. Come on, he's alive. He was going to die. I mean, and, 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 and nobody could help him. He helped himself. How did he help himself? What, was there some clue that everybody had overlooked? No. He collected information and thought and asked people to help him. 
And it was clear to him that he had a version of an autoimmune disease that was killing him. And so what he had to do was turn down the immune system the way you do when you give someone a transplant. He read all the transplant rejection literature and he picked one of the drugs that was like cyclosporin, but a better one now. And he did it as an off-purpose use of that drug and he's cured. Holy moly, it's the dream you have for rare diseases because nobody will spend a huge amount of money developing a drug for 100 people. You can't. He used your Soma scan? He did. How did he get it? Well, it didn't have to do with me, that's for sure. Um, any doc could order uh, Soma scan, and he just ordered it on his own. And you know, there are doctors in Boulder. We've had this conversation every year. There are half a dozen doctors in Boulder who do Soma scan routinely for people. And anybody can do it. And there's six of them, I think. And they, and they just fill out a piece of paper and they take your blood and do it and tell you what happened. If I recall from previous symposiums, people can ask questions of the speakers. This will be primarily online this year. How do people ask questions? We have a moderator, and the moderator gets the questions and then tries to sort it out. And so it'll be a giant Zoom call? Yes. Okay, we will share the information about how you get to the conference online and I would love to talk with you more, but I have a feeling you have a few other meetings you need to do today. <laughs> yes, thank you for that. Um, yeah, thanks. I'm Shelley Schlender. We've been speaking with Boulder scientist, entrepreneur, and philanthropist Larry Gold. The Gold Lab Symposium takes place this Thursday and Friday online. You can sign up by doing a search for Gold Lab Symposium on your computer or go to our website for hot links and sign up there. That's all for this edition of How on Earth. Our executive producer is Joel Parker. This week's show was produced and engineered by yours truly, Shelley Schlender. Our theme music was written and produced by Josh Cutler. Additional music from Pat Matheny and Raymond Scott. Visit our website at howonearthradio.org to find past episodes, extended interviews, and hot links to some of the topics we've talked about today. Questions or comments? Call the KGNU comment line at 303 303- 447 For How on Earth, the KGNU Science Show, I'm Shelley Schlender.